0: Welcome to RB. I'm Shay Howell, your host and founder of FAM. In this episode, I had the pleasure of chopping it up with Senior Vice President, Group Creative Director of Digital Experience and Innovation for TBWA World Health, Walter T. Gear III. We discussed the agency's Black Health Now campaign, racism in advertising, and his viral LinkedIn post on ageism that blew up the internet. Buckle up. Let's get into it with Walter T. Gear III.
1: Rhythm and blues. The biggest reason why is because it tapped into a nerve of a lot of people who are affected by ageism, right? It's like ageism doesn't affect just a color, right? It's it's every single person will have to uh, deal with it at one point in their in their life in their career. The Rhythm and Blues podcast. Free your
0: mind. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon um, on yeah Rhythm and Blues, uh, my new podcast for fam. We celebrate the rhythm and analyze the blues of black culture through the lens of marketing and advertising and who better to talk to, especially at this time than Walter T. Gear, the III. So thanks again for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Happy yeah. Evening.
0: Your accolades, there's a long list of things wow. that I have written down here all of them extremely impressive, a 20 year veteran, right? And they run the gamut, not your typical profile that you'll find on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a sport bike racer. Do you still race?
1: Took a, I took a little bit of time off cause of my daughter, but I was planning to get back out this summer, but that, that's a wrap now.
0: Track and field, all American, multi-patent holder. We'll talk a little bit about that biometric lab creator. Savoy Magazine listed you as one of the 2020 most influential Black execs in corporate America. They did. <laughs> yeah. Currently, you're the Senior Vice President, Group Creative Director of Digital Experience and Innovation at TBWA World Health. Gotcha. You know, FAM is, we're advocates or champions for the accurate and inclusive, Representation of African Americans in marketing and advertising. So, when was the last time you felt represented?
1: I don't know that I have in a while, right? And it's and especially now in a time when our voices are are so needed. Um, it's unfortunate because you know we 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 people of color are, are are dying at numbers that are just outrageous and absurd. And I don't know that there's anyone or anything right now that has has really kind of made me feel you know, you know, inspired and represented right now because there's just a lack of us having the right conversation in this space. And and truth be said, that that's the sad thing, right? Like it's it's
0: yeah.
1: you know, the only thing I'm hearing right now amidst this this pandemic is, you know, put on a mask, put on some gloves and stay at home. Uh, but it's but it's not enough. So right. I, I I apologize, uh, but I don't yeah. know that I have, have have anything that I could say on that.
0: I think that that is part of the reason why I asked the question. Yeah,
1: okay. Because
0: I, that was I a think- A
1: trick
0: question. I was like, oh. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> not totally a trick question, but I think for some people it runs the gamut, right? You might have something that speaks to a particular area of your life, but then you might stand in a space as a person of color that like you, there isn't anything where you feel actually represented, right? We already know that there's a lack of representation Um, so if there is a space that there isn't anything that you're connecting to, it just speaks to the fact that there's so much more work that needs to be done. So we met like a year and a half ago when I launched fam and you kind of saw what we stood for and reached out to me on LinkedIn, which was more than a surprise. There were quite a few people, but I think you were the Mm 1st to say that you believed in, you know, what we were doing and if there's any way that you could help, that you would. And we started to talk. And um, I think since that time, you already had a very strong voice in the space, but over the last year or so, it seems as if it's amplified. Um, And there are two people that I think have an authentic and very real um, voice. In the marketing space. Um, the first one that I found was Bozema St. John. Oh. And the next one for me has been you. And I think the connectors between the two is that you all are authentic in a way that most people have a level of apprehension. Like you will say what you think, when you think it, how you feel it, and that is part of what. Continues to kick up dust, right? To bring disruption to the norm. So let's talk a little bit about your voice. How did you get here to a space that you felt comfortable to express how you feel, especially as a black man in a in a corporate environment? Or have you always kind of felt like you could?
1: No, that's a good good question, and and thank you for even putting me in the same sentence as her, because uh, she's she's phenomenal. That's a, that's, a, that's a good question, because I think that it's, it takes a long time for people to get there. And it took me a long time to get there. Um, <clears throat> I'll, 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 I'll cue that up with a story real quick. When I was young, um, we were just talking about getting haircuts, right? There's a guy who used to cut my hair, this guy named Don. And Don it was upstate New York in a t- town called Schenectady. And Don would have a line like, around the block to get into his barbershop every Saturday. Now, he cut, like, everyone loved his cuts. It was amazing. The thing is, though, when you get in there... You had to scream when you're asking for what to get get cut because he's partially deaf. Now mm. the thing about it though was, I'd say like, "Yo, Don, just take a little bit off the top." He'd feel like he'd give me a thumbs up. He cut, turn me around, pull the cape off, and all my shit is gone, right? Oh. And I'm like, "Oh my god!" But then I'm like, "No, hey," right. and I'm like, "Oh wow, it actually looks good, <laughs> right?" And so I, I and, and and then I'd pay Don and I'd up and leave. Now I, I bring that story up because. Um, I tell people a lot to be done, right? And when I say be done, that means like Don was confident about his shit, right? He knew that he had a disability, he couldn't fully hear. He also knew that no matter, the, whichever way he decided to cut your shit, it was gonna be good, you were gonna like it, and you were gonna pay for it. But that takes confidence in who you are and what you do and your skills. So I, I say that because it took me a long time to, to get that comfortable. And I think as a, as a creative in, in this space, uh, we often feel when you're Black uh, that I need to walk a certain way. I need to dress a certain way. I need to talk mm-hmm. and carry myself a certain way. If I'm too loud, I'm going to come off as an angry Black man. If I'm disengaged, Life. I'm going to come off as I don't care. So it's it's a tough, it's like a tight rope, right, that you walk. And um, I don't know that I really was able to have that voice until um, until probably about like six or seven years ago. But then like I had become a vice president. And I like, I had established somewhat of a career and I was also in a space where other people made me feel confident. And I had a boss who would tell me just like, yo, like say what's on your mind. You need to tell people what's up or you're not gonna get it done. So I had people that made me feel okay with being myself. Um, and then it just kind of got to a point where I have like diarrhea of the mouth and I just <laughs> I say whatever the fuck uh, it comes to mind. I'm not disrespectful, but I, I try to right. be authentic in, in, in what I say. And I think that that's, that's what's probably made um, you know, people you know, agree with some of the things that I say maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so being as confident as you are and as vocal as you are, you have the ear of the industry, right? The respect of the industry. Is there a time in particular that you can remember that you used your voice that it didn't go so well? Gosh,
1: probably a lot of times. I mean, I, I, I yeah. All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this down. I'm gonna be really transparent here. I, whenever I speak, or when I speak particularly to black audiences uh, at colleges, at events, um, I make it very known that um, I feel as though we aren't doing enough. And when I say we aren't doing enough, black executives, uh, executives who are in leadership positions that are people of color, uh, we have a very serious issue with, uh, getting to the, t- getting to the table and forgetting to turn around and reach back, right? To, to bring other people to the table. So, um, I do bring that up quite a bit. And I, and I have not been afraid of shying away from the fact that I feel that a lot of, not all, but a lot of, uh, diversity officers shuck and jive. Uh, they, they hop on the stage from here to there, can and all over the place. And they talk a good game, but like, when you don't have a budget you don't have a real voice in the room right so so it's a larger larger topic of conversation but i feel as though uh i've talked about that quite a bit on stages i've i've, I've gone to events and i do feel shunned at some of these places right because there are those black executives or folks in diversity who kind of look at me as oh this is trying to call me out uh when in actuality uh, i i am trying to voice the truth and, and make sure that we have change so that's probably it it's so <laughs> it's weird it's a weird place because like you you i get i will come off stage and half half of the people will give me hugs and you know praising you know, oh my gosh that's great i'm so happy you said that no one says that someone needs to say that and then there's the right. other turn a cold shoulder and walk the other way
0: let's talk a little bit about your journey to advertising how did you get here
1: uh by a lie <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> this it's, is gonna be good
1: it's, it's uh yeah, um, I came out of college, had no idea what I wanted to do. My, my dad was an engineer, uh, worked at, you know, GE and Duracell for years. Uh, I knew I always wanted to be like him, but I had no idea what an engineer was. Um, got out of college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And he was like, you should get into this web design stuff. And I was like, I don't need It was like, 99. I was like, I barely had an email address. Uh, and um, he literally one day says, hey, I got you a job interview at, trans world entertainment which at the time was the largest music distributor in the world clearly they're shut down now <laughs> um, and uh i went to the interview not really knowing what it was other than my dad said hey this is about web design uh they asked do you know html i was like yeah do you know javascript I was like yep do you know photoshop I was like yep you got the job can you start in two weeks can i start in three i went to the library and studied my ass off uh I then continued to learn on the job uh and i never <laughs> got caught so I got in by way of a lie i'll say
0: <laughs> interesting yeah yeah, yeah yeah interesting at not, any no, point
1: not, go ahead go ahead please no
0: you go ahead
1: i'm not saying that everyone should lie in their job interviews. i'm just saying it it, it it had it worked for me 20 something years ago yeah
0: well it obviously had to be the space that was made for you because if you were a complete fraud and that's not where you're supposed to be i doubt 20 years later you still be in the space.
1: No, most certainly not, most certainly not.
0: That's a good story. That is good, that is good. Let's talk about what you currently have going on with TBWA in terms of hashtag black health now. So tell me a little bit about the campaign, how it started and where we are now.
1: It's a really interesting one. Uh, And truth be said, like probably the work I feel most proud of throughout my career. Um, so why I'm proud of this for a few different reasons is, is you will never, I, like show me an agency, so many company who would actually have these conversations, real conversations about why black people, people of color are being affected uh, in such a manner. But um, it was actually two of my counterparts. So I worked with two other people on this, Wally Holloway and Brian Gaffin. Uh, Wally was in a diversity meeting that we had at the agency. Uh, she was in thought, inspired by the conversations they were having. She went and talked to Brian um, about her personal story, which he felt inspired about. Brian came back and talked to me and said, the three of us need to get together, we should do something. And um, it was it was like the beginning, it was probably the first week of February, so Black History Month. And we kind of sat back and said, wow, what 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 could we do around these health disparities because these are real issues at hand? And uh, what was more frustrating is that when you looked around a lot of other agencies and companies, They were doing stuff like let's put like not even kidding you i saw people's story posts like beyonce 24 hours around the clock for for black history month or like we got soul food for black history month uh and it was like real fucked up and so our approach was let's let's be authentic in what we do and let's actually have a conversation that people are afraid to have so conversation was around the fact that we believe which is the truth that there um is systemic racism and bias that's built into the healthcare system and this is why, you know, black women are three times more likely to die than a white woman giving birth. This is why like a black infant is, is twice as likely to die than a white infant. This is like, like I can go through the facts forever and ever. Um, but the bigger problem is many people have seen these facts, and facts happen to be numbers on pages, and numbers on pages are very easy to glance and gloss over. And so I like to say that, you know, people did not know that that police brutality was a thing until they saw Rodney King being beat on the mm-hmm. side, right? So it's seeing someone's story and seeing something that, you know, that represents, uh, you know, someone being in a, in a negative situation. This, this is the stuff that is impactful. And this is when people realize this is a real problem. So our idea was let's tell people stories. And we, we allowed our seven or eight, uh, coworkers to come forward and tell their stories. So they were, uh, two minute segments and powerful stuff. And I'm I'm telling you, when we sat in these rooms and filmed these things, like I cried multiple times because it was painful to hear how horrific these stories were of of parents or grandparents dying, of them almost dying at the hands of doctors who didn't necessarily care about their health. Um, We were, that was kind of a phase one approach uh, as we were going into our phase two, which is providing tools and actionable stuff for people of color to go into doctor's offices with COVID hit, we put everything on, on hold, the numbers came back out again afterwards about how you know we were dying at higher numbers of white people, uh, clearly shining a light on what we had already been putting out. And it was just, I've had so many people reach out to us and say that like, oh my God, you guys were so much ahead of a curve. Like you guys started this conversation before it was a thing. Uh, so we felt the need to continue, but unlike what we see happening now with just people randomly toggling more facts again on the news and in papers and online, we decided to to, to take action because there's zero people out here that are actually taking real action and action for people of color right now is self-care, telling them to take care of themselves because there are things you can control, things you can't, like racism, we can't control these things, right? Right. We can most certainly control the things we eat, right? We can control the things we cook, we can control the fact that we are exercising or not. So our point was to tap into the culture by bringing in celebrities and athletes and, and social media influencers, people that we recognize and doing things like talk about healthy eating uh showing people like marcus samuelson who cooked in his kitchen for us and showed us how to build a healthy meal with basic stuff that's in your fridge it is working with like ashley everett who was beyonce's dance captain uh she showed everyone how to dance for 15 20 minutes how to dance to uh one of a formation the dance steps to formation it was like tiana bartoletto who's a three-time gold medalist uh, doing like a fifteen minute workout that you can do in a six by six foot space with no weights no nothing so it's about inspiring us to do better uh, with self care
0: how long is the campaign? Is it currently still running when where and when can people catch it?
1: yeah, it's still running uh, I don't know that it I think this is one of those things that will will run for quite some time right because like the platform is the platform is so big and so flexible that allows us to hold multiple conversations about our health. Um, so again, this is like, we, we signed up for this knowing that this is not going to be a, Hey, we're done at the end of February, but this is something that's going to continue on. Um,
0: th-
1: they can follow it. Anyone can follow it by, if you follow like TBWA world health on online LinkedIn, you'll see posts there, uh, on Instagram or my account where we do all the live streams, uh, which is at third gear, which is three RD, G E E R. We try to do it weekly, weekly events where we're doing these interviews, um, just kind of making sure that we're staying on topic again, like either providing facts and busting myths or providing actionable tools and things that people can do. So like this last one we did, this last week was actually with essential workers. So we had a bus driver, a physical therapist assistant and a courier, right? A package courier, a delivery man who all talked about their experiences and what was um, like powerful. Like the delivery guy had, had said, um, he said, you know, when I go to people's doors, he said, they look at me funny. They look at me like I have COVID. Right. And it's a, and he's like, and mm-hmm. and he's like, it's an uncomfortable feeling for me because I feel like, I, you know, I feel like the same way, like I'm looking at you the same way you're looking at me. And so it's, it's, it's it was a uh, hard conversations, but ones that, that people need to hear and understand.
0: I think it's commendable that one, you all were ahead of the curve to that um, the agency is committed to it in a way that is not a expiration date or an end date to the campaign but actually to the cause and doing what's necessary to make sure that the information is delivered to the audience that it is designed for and that it can be as effective as possible you know oftentimes when we have campaigns or initiatives like this, it's kind of like, especially during Black History Month, there's yeah, yeah. a time that like, okay, what are we going to do? Is the Beyonce's 24 hour, you know, 24 hours around the clock. And it's kind of like, Oh, it's a nod of sorts. It's not real work that's being done. Um, and that's, you know, being committed to, to the overall cause. So that's extremely commendable. Your voice and that of your team is, um, really strong in the space and you know respected and so for those of us on the outside that have the benefit of watching and then those of us for in the industry who have an opportunity to point to something in particular to say this is what i mean right this is the kind of campaign and initiative that uh, the community is hungry for this is what it means to be effective, and I'm not sure if it would have been executed in the same way if we weren't in the middle of a global pandemic. But from doing lives, and you know, just the execution of it mm-hmm. and the success uh, is a great case study. So
1: yeah, it's so fun. much. For all of that. Oh no, thank you, thank you. It's been interesting in that um, you don't often see many, and like like I said, the people that I work with are are so authentic. And it's amazing that we can actually have these conversations out in the, in the public uh, around uh, around things that really matter, right? So, right. Um, it's 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 great. We we feel that the message is powerful, and we're excited to be able to actually deliver to it. And and, and to be honest with you, um, help people of color, right? Because that's what this is all about. Like, there's not enough voices out there that are having these conversations. So um, for us, we you know we we felt the need to step up front and and, and do something, you know,
0: actionable about it. Last November, you responded on LinkedIn. I'm going to read your viral posts from LinkedIn. All right. Yeah, yeah. 40 under 40 and 30 under 30. I'm not impressed. Show me 40 over 40 and 50 over 50. Put a spotlight on the hard work that this group of individuals is doing while juggling life at home with a spouse and kids. I gave you a standing ovation at that point uh, that would impress me who's going to step up and own this is this not is there not any talent over 40 that deserves to be awarded do you agree that is well obviously was the sentiment of so many of us I'll raise my hand and say I am over 40 Um, and I have oftentimes joked that if we could take the life skills that are necessary for our lives, right, to maintain it, multitasking, families, bills, all of those things, and put those on a resume, it would speak life in a completely different way. What made you say this? Because Forbes said you blew up the internet, and it was something like that.
1: That was an interesting thing. When that went viral, um, it was, you know, it was one of those things I didn't expect to go viral. I don't know that you can expect, you can post stuff with the intent that, oh, everyone's going to pick this up. It's going to go crazy. Um, so yeah, it, it went viral. And, and the, the, I guess the first call I actually got, actually the first real call when it started to blow up was from my cousin. And my cousin's like, you see this post? And he screenshotted it and sent it to me. And I was like, what the hell? I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was like 2 million impressions. Like, uh, 16,000 likes and shares. It was it was it was an, it was wild. But again, I think that the, the biggest reason why is because it tapped into a nerve uh, of a lot of people who are affected by ageism. Right? It's like ageism doesn't affect uh, uh, just a color. Right? It's it's every single person will have to uh, deal with it at one point in their in their life and or career.
0: Right. And you were on a panel that talked a little bit about um, ageism.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, we did. It was. Uh, they had some really, really, really interesting folks who chimed in, uh, and it was interesting to get everyone's point of view. Um, I didn't pull the black card on that one, but uh, but uh, but I think that you know it's it's often that when people ask because I talk about ageism a lot. People say, well, "Well, have you dealt with ageism yourself?" And and truth be told, it's like no. You know, fortunately, I I, I haven't yet, but I most certainly know what it's like to uh To walk into a room and be black right, and have someone when they see the name Walter Gear the Third right i'm sure they're not expecting someone like me to come walk into the door right and uh, and i and I know what that's like, and I can't say that that's the same, uh but I do know the feeling of you know going someplace and, and being looked at a certain way because of uh, my color or in this instance your age right
0: so you mentioned not pulling the black card. During uh, the panel that you were on last week, so yeah. one, explain what it is that you mean, and then two, when and how do you choose to pull the black card?
1: So what I meant by that is, is that I think the the I try to be authentic, right? But I also try not to rub people the wrong way, and I think that right. we, we had a great conversation. Um, The, 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 the bulk of it did boil down to, you know, it clearly on ageism. that was the topic of discussion, but then it was also heavy on, on, on women, uh, which, which, you know, there were certain people on that, that were, that that's their thing, right? That's, that's their career and kind of, that's their platform. Um, so I just, I didn't have the, I didn't feel as though I had the right opportunity, uh, to, to, to bring up that, that issue. Um, so I just kind of put it on hold for a minute. Like i think that there's there's a there's a there's like a there's a right place for everything right and and this is why being being black and in our space uh you have to pick and choose your 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 battles right and there's a there's a right time and right place for everything um and uh and 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 clearly this is a this is one of those conversations right <laughs> that you and i are having now right uh, right but it's a, it's it's an interesting thing i mean these are the things we we, we juggle and, and, and struggle with as you know when you start to have a voice and or platform um now i feel like a lot of people uh listen uh and i've gotten to a place of if i say the wrong thing in the wrong place and that 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 could come down me but I'll, I'll say that that does not mean that i'm not authentic and true to my word and, and, and my feelings and what i believe in um that is just that i know at times when to bite my tongue
0: I think that's important to note, Right. It's like, just because we have a voice, we have a space in which we operate. We shouldn't be shouting from the mountaintop at all times that different situations call for different responses. There is a time and a place unto all things. Right. And so inserting yourself in a way that one you didn't feel was authentic, like it's a matter of feeling it out, feeling out the space, what you're talking about. I think that's really important, especially for a lot of people that might be looking at you to say, well, and maybe they just got the highlights, right, of who you are. And they've seen the ad week, they've seen the Forbes, they've seen the virality that you found with your voice. And for, you know, younger creatives or people in the industry that might feel like, okay i need to use my voice and i want to use it in this particular way but understanding that there's a level of management and maturity and responsibility that comes along with that is really important
1: sure yeah absolutely it's a it's a it's a difficult one but uh i'm still learning look i mean i don't it's weird i don't i don't look at myself as an influencer i really don't there are people that's like you're an influencer i don't have hundreds of thousands of people that listen to me i have a few and You know, and and sometimes they take no. But my thing is just like um, I often say this, that right, even with the work I work on, the things I do, even with black health now, um, if I can if I can help influence one person, then my job is done. Right. Like if I could change one life, then that's all that really matters.
0: I mentioned in your laundry list of accomplishments that at this point, how many patents do you hold? Uh, Six. Let's talk a little bit about what those are how you got there um how they're being used for the lay people who don't work in the digital and innovation uh space what are those
1: i won't go through all of them i'll I'll say i'll say a few of them that 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 most people would probably recognize uh because they're probably the ones that annoy you and and the rest of the world on a a daily basis um (laughs) one uh i was actually one was a skippable pre-roll, right? So that is when you get an ad, you get the ad before a video, YouTube, or any one of these places, and then you get them the right corner, five, four, three, two, one, and skip, right? So that was was me. The interesting thing concept around that was that originally it was about how do we actually instead of because no one watches pre roll like everyone like everyone hates commercials. uh, And now we're just like forced to watch them out online every time you pick on you click on a a piece of content. So the idea originally was um, okay if if people are not going to sit here and watch the content, what if we can actually get them to interact with the brand before you know instead of watching it so before it was a 30-minute commercial, a pre-roll. And then um, we, the first one we had a, it was a mock we did with, I think it was Pepsi, yeah. And there's a small Pepsi bottle. And when you actually tapped on it, then you can control the Pepsi bottle and pour the Pepsi on top of the commercial. So psh, fill up the screen. And then as soon as the screen is filled up, boom, just kicks you to the content that you want to see in the first place. So it's about interacting with the brand. And then eventually it kind of just became a, a, a very, let's just skip it and get it out of the way type of thing. So then it's the, the the onus has been put on the brand to make sure that they have a powerful enough uh, content within the first five seconds that would make one, someone want to continue to engage. The other one um, the other one that's not a patent, but one that probably people will recognize the, the, the most is uh, I created with a, with a small team at the New York Times years ago and that was called sequential messaging. So sequential messaging is, you know, when you go to a website to go shop or something, a pair of jeans or shoes or something, um, decide not to get it. You go someplace else, Instagram, Facebook, wherever it is you go. And it's like that item is following you every place you go for numerous days. Mm-hmm. Uh, sequential messaging. So we in- invented that. That's probably the one that's the most recognizable, that, that, that format. But then I did other like other patents are like um one's called like the hd skin which is now you know when you ever you go to set a website and you see video skins the entire background of a site Mm -hmm. like like that as well so those are those are just a handful of some of them but it's i'll tell you it's a a long process to get a patent because like i did i created those in like 2012 2013 and some of those patents literally came in like within the last year wow yeah it's a long time. People think it's like you, you apply and get it in like a couple months. No, it's several years.
0: So we're talking racism in advertising. Last year, year before last, it seemed as if there was something in the water because every couple days, every couple weeks, there was someone that had some sort of egregious misstep if we like to call it that, that had the community in an uproar that required an apology and new programs and a variety of different things that the brand was trying to, to manage from a public relations standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so it seemed to have been quiet for a little while because we've kind of got a lot going on right now. So I saw this the other day and it's not you an ad, which quite a few of the ones that we'd seen not too long ago, haven't necessarily been us ads, mm-hmm. but ads nonetheless, that we have access to, mm-hmm. how does this keep happening? Right? Like you have a, a purview into the agency environment an overview of client interactions, approvals, you know, running creative teams, how does this keep happening?
1: Yeah, uh, it's an easy one. You, we, there's no people of color in the room, right? And if there are people of color in the room, they have no voice, right? Let me, let me be clear. It is not an easy thing to be the only person of color in a room when you're, when you're dealing with the brand. Um, I, have been in, I have been in some interesting situations myself where I, I've identified stuff that I feel is, is racist. Um, that 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 wasn't done intentionally by people, but, right. but when they recognize it as well, it's a, a bit of a oh shit moment for everyone in the room. Um, but it's also an uncomfortable feeling I, I, at first. It was when I started doing this because um, you know, when you're the one black person in the room and there's like eight or nine other people and everyone's going through them pitching the ideas, and then you have to raise your hand and say, "This is kind of racist." Um, it's a weird thing, right? Um, so so I think it takes it takes a certain someone who can actually stand up and actually say that and address it. So, so there's, and I'm not going to point out anyone in particular, but there's been brands in the past who, who, who done things that I and I that I've felt were inappropriate and I've had conversations with and those, in, in those brands that said that they had people in the, in, in the room that were, you know, look like me. Um, but, but when I hear that, I often go back to, okay, well maybe their, their voice isn't strong enough or maybe like, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a difficult thing you have to realize that, you know, in, in this space in advertising, there are very, very few people of color who are in senior leadership positions in, on the creative side, right? So, you know, another, you know, a friend of mine, um, another creative director uh, who's Black, we created a list of all the Black creative directors in, in our space in advertising, in the ad agency world. And it we went from uh, director up to, like, creative ch- chief officer and uh our chief creative officer excuse me and um what was interesting is we've only come up with a list of about 37 people and of that list se- are seven or eight are senior vice president and above
0: yeah. right
1: so so when you start to talk about like being in the room and then when you're in the room you know making sure that you're someone who has the authority and power to say to make change to drive change or, or make comments that matter that everyone will listen to there's not many of us, right? I, I'm, I am like one of seven or eight and, and it's a sad thing. So, you know, I've, I've also been in a place where I've, I've gone to work on a first day of, of a job and uh, sat in a desk where a, a previous uh, officer had, had, had sat and had his things still left there. And there, you know, so some of his tchotchkes and stuff was still left in the window and buried in between all of that was a blackface doll. Right. And this is an individual wow. who who who's leading all of creative for this company. And when we sit and talk about like, well, how come we're not seeing people of color in the room? Well, when you have your head of creative who is at a blackface doll sitting in his window, that'll tell you part of the reason. So it's 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 real talk. It's 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 you know, and and you know, we need and this is back to my earlier point of like of of you know, chief diversity officers and and really stepping forward and doing shit and, and companies need to give them budgets right because without some budgets they have no say they can't do anything they're they're a token um this is also why i say people like myself who are in these senior positions we need to do more with reaching back right and pulling other people up you know up in agencies and companies and specifically agencies since we're talking about advertisers now need to do a better job of of being diverse and inclusive of all that is age, that is color, that is gender, sexual orientation, it is all of that. And it's only when you bring all those people together that you can do your best work. You know, the Black Health Now campaign, it's me, another black woman, and another white guy, right? Like, so like, it is a mixed group of people. um, And without having these voices, I mean, this other young, you know, young woman, her name is Wally Holloway. She's managing associate managing partner. So she's very senior at our agency. But back to my point, like, would black health now probably happen if there weren't two executives that were black at an agency, you know? Right. So having, having people in those positions that like that's how you influence, that's how you make change. That's how you make better creative, having more people that are diverse at the table.
0: How much of this do you think is the community being overly sensitive or actual racism in the executions?
1: I think it's both. And some people might hate me for saying that, but I think that we're in a time right now where we're all hypersensitive. When you have a, mm, I'm not like, gonna watch what I said. Now, here we go. See, This is me tiptoeing. We are in a space right now where we are hypersensitive because there are people uh, in in leadership positions, I'll say, that 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 feel as though we can say things, like we could say what we want, right? And I think that we, we are now in a country where uh, people feel that they can just come off their chest and say like whatever's on the top of my head so we are seeing people's true colors right now and because of that i think that we everyone is overly you know like conscious about things right it's like you know you say black and someone's like wait what it what black what like what are you going to say after that sure. so I think that, right so there's there's some of that for sure um but but I think that there's also like there's a lot of intent uh, on on some some of these things as well. So it's it's most certainly a mixture.
0: Is there anything else that you wanted to add or initiatives that you wanted to talk about?
1: We are in a time right now where we are all at a level playing ground. And when I say level playing ground, in terms of technology, in terms of the platforms we have access to, um, I tell people all the time that like it that like we can we can start these conversations right it shouldn't just be me it shouldn't just be Don Lemon Don Lennon shouldn't be like there are a lot of people who can have these conversations sometimes it's as easy as liking a liking liking a post where someone kind of talks about this stuff and about helping us it's it's easy as sharing that post right and it's easy as you just using your voice um you know people's people when we look at this pandemic and get to the other side of it I think that very quickly, we are all going to be able to look around the room and, and identify in a heartbeat who were the people that were actually authentic and actually stepped up and did something, and who were the people that actually stayed home and did jack shit, right? And again, it doesn't mean you need to be in Forbes magazine or all over the place. It's, it can be as simple as helping other people, helping someone, helping a family member, a friend. Now is an opportunity and a chance where we should be doing more for one another because we're all in this together.
0: The name of the podcast is Rhythm & Blues. While it doesn't reference music in particular, I'm going to ask, what is on your playlist? What are you listening to now?
1: You want me to be honest? I'm listening yeah. to whatever my daughter puts on Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, which, would, which, truth be told, which would be like Lion King right about now. Um, no, I think that's a, that's a good question. I can hear I'll give you a couple things. I, 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 I've been listening to a lot of Post Malone lately, which is like, which has been odd. Right. Um, but I can tell you this. Uh, every time I get on stage, the, the one song that gets me really pumped up and I listen to it every single time uh, is uh, Kendrick Lamar. And I'm going to forget the name of it now. Humble. Humble. We'll
0: be all right. It's humble. Yes, humble.
1: Yes. Thank you very much. So that is my, like, that is my go-to song. Like, if you ever see me at an event and I'm about to get on, you know, I'll have my headphones on right before they call my name. That's what I'm listening to.
0: Tell everybody where they can find you. Um, And you have an app, a music app.
1: My my brother and friends and I we launched a music app uh, solely for independent artists to give them their own kind of place and playing ground called Quarry, spelled Q U A R R Y. It is uh, it is only for independent artists. It's invite only. Uh, beautiful thing about it is because of that we can actually curate all the content. We have over almost 600 artists in it from all over every corner of the world, uh, from like winners from American Idol to like the the the, the like a whole slew. Um, and it's just a different type of content. I mean, it's, we're most certainly not in com- competition with like a Spotify or Pandora. Uh, we see it as just another, another playlist option to listen to because um, independent music is a is huge thing. I mean, 91.3% of music in the world is independent. Uh, 0.3% are major mainstream artists, which is why we continue to listen to the same artists day in, day out every mm-hmm. time you turn on something. So it's uh, just a different platform uh, with different styles of music from, from around the world.
0: So where can everybody find you?
1: They can find me. Uh, I guess mostly on Instagram or Twitter. They're both. They're all the same. It's at three R D G E E R S at Third Gears. Uh, that is like my my name on pretty much any platform. You can find.
0: Well, thanks for joining me on Rhythm and Blues. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you for having me. This is a this is a great conversation. I'm I'm glad to be a part of this.